Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. series of the I Ams, the declarations that Jesus made. And um, today we're looking at I Am the Door. I Am the Door. But briefly before that, John tells us in one of his chapters the main purpose in writing the gospel. And it was that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And that word believe to John was really important. In fact, it was so important that he used it 98 times in that one book. 98 times. So so what are the different types of believing that he was referring to? Let's have a look at them. There was credence. And credence is belief in or acceptance that something is true. Then there's confidence. Because we have accepted the truth, we put our trust in it, we stand on it, and we live by it. And that's the place where our faith begins to grow. And then there's continuing. Go on believing. Don't just believe once. Go on believing. Keep believing. Going on so that our faith stays strong. And actually, the Greek and Hebrew word for faith and faithfulness are the same. So we're encouraged to to keep going on. Perhaps if we can look at it a different way, and I thought we could look at a hairdryer. I had thought of bringing one, but I thought it might get a bit noisy. I want you to imagine that hairdryer is plugged in. Credence says, I believe there is power in that hairdryer that will dry my lovely locks. I believe it's there. Confidence says, having accepted that as truth, I switch it on. And when I switch it on, the wind blows. And it does what it needs to do. Now, when we stand on the truth... When we live by the truth, the power, the wind of the Holy Spirit begins to move in our hearts. And it takes the truth we're standing on and it sits it down in our hearts so we're confident about it. So when you're using your hairdryer, I want you to think it's not just the wind. You want the wind of the Spirit moving in your hearts so that each time you stand on a truth then that's the Holy Spirit works and he makes you sure about that truth. That's wonderful, isn't it? And that's why to John, this was so important. So let's have a look at the passage we're going to be looking at today. It's a very short passage and it's right in the middle of um, I am the good shepherd. So trying to keep to my bit was really quite interesting. In some versions, it won't say door, it will say gate. But this says John chapter 10 So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, and when you emphasize something like that, truly, truly, he's saying, pay attention, pay attention. I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. 
I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And sometimes when we hear that passage, we think, oh, that's just for people who, who um, don't know God yet. Can I say to you, John wrote his gospel for mature Christians as well. And so there is something in this for each and every one of us. <clears throat> so the question is, why did Jesus make this claim when he did? Well, it goes back, it goes back to an incident in the previous chapter when he healed a blind man. And the blind man went off to the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of the time. And they wanted nothing to do with Jesus. They didn't think he, he was from God. And so they wouldn't believe the man. And in fact, they were so irate, they kicked him out of the synagogue. As far as they were concerned, the only way to God was through Judaism, through them, and all the other rules that they had put in place that people had to obey. <clears throat> Jesus was saying to them, you, you are the blind ones. You are the blind ones because you do not see that I am the way into God's presence. And at the same time, as the Pharisees saying this, there were other groups doing the same thing. And it's interesting, isn't it? It's not so very different today, is it? You know, some people say, follow me, come my way, and you'll have health, wealth, and success. Others say, as long as you are sincere and it feels good to you, that's okay. Some encourage sums of money, works to be performed, rituals to be upheld. Others encourage violence. Others say you can have a relationship with God through them, but only through them. Or we are told that Jesus is one of the ways, one of the ways to a relationship with God. But you see, all of those ways lead us away from God. They can leave us dissatisfied, sometimes with feelings of guilt. Or we look at God and we say, do you know something? You haven't kept the promises that were made to me. And so they think he's not a God of his word, but a liar. You see here, when Jesus refers to those who came before, he's not talking about the prophets. He's talking about the people who actually lead people astray. And he accuses them of being thieves and robbers. That's pretty strong, isn't it? That's why partly these Pharisees, the religious leaders, were so upset because he was saying, you are like thieves and robbers because you are leading people away from me. And that includes, that includes people who minister to God's children, who are caring for them spiritually in the day-to-day -day life. We have to make sure that they are speaking about Jesus as being the only way. Otherwise, they are thieves and robbers. So what about these thieves and robbers? Both set out to obtain something that doesn't belong to them and to get it at all cost. Thieves steal, don't they? And robbers, they often come armed with violence. And Satan is the chief amongst all of these, he, he wants to 
and use people for his own ends. Scripture says he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He doesn't love. He doesn't want to protect, but he wants to take advantage for his own purposes. God cares for his sheep, and he wants to protect and provide for his sheep. So let's have a look at the next picture. What sort of door was he talking about here? You know, you can have large doors, can't you? Small doors, you can have ornate doors. You can have big doors that are for cathedrals, strong doors for banks. You can have canvas doors for tents, glass doors for greenhouses. You can have expensive and inexpensive, big and small, all sorts of doors. But the main purpose for a door is to provide a level of security and safety, isn't it? Especially for those who are inside. But Jesus was referring to this sort of door. And they would have known this in that time. The shepherds would, in the warm season, take all the sheep up to the hills. And because it was the warm season, they wouldn't come all the way down again at night into the village. They would stay up there. So in order to keep the sheep safe at night, there was an open space. And around that open space, there was a wall, as you can see, a wall built of stone. Sometimes they might, if they were nearby, put thorns or bushes on top to protect it even more. And then there was a small gap from which the sheep could go in and out. Now at night, at night, because there's no gate, is there? Whoops. At night, the shepherd would lie across the door so that if the sheep wanted to get out, they had to go over him. And if the animals, the wild animals or the thieves wanted to get in, they had to go over him. So literally speaking, he was the door. And that is the door that Jesus is referring to here. And it's important to understand what sort of door Jesus was saying he was. I am. I am. A Hebrew term, Yahweh. That term that means it's the name by which God wished to be known and worshipped in Israel. It's the name that expressed his character as a dependable and faithful God. And he wanted those, his people, to worship him and to have full trust in him. And Jesus is here applying that phrase to himself, that the life that is in him is the life of God, and that he was at creation, he is now, and he will be. In other words, he was and he is and he will ever be. And as a door, he opens the way to God the Father. And he shows us what God the Father is like, doesn't he? Through him and him alone, him alone, we have access to the Father. And if there was no Christ, there is no way to God. And if he is not the door, there is no way into God's presence. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. You see, he is not any door, but the door. He's not one of many ways. He is the only way into the presence of God. And many people don't like that fact when we say it. But the truth is this. 
We believe that, and it's the truth we stand on. So there are four things I want to look at as we just come um, into the body of this scripture. Four things. There's certainty. There's an invitation to all who enter. But you have to choose to enter. And those who choose will be saved. Will be saved. And go in and out and find pasture. No false promises. No changing of his mind. His word is his word. And it can be trusted. The door, this is a way of peace. Of love. Of life. And leads us closer to God. The purpose of this door is not to keep out anybody who wants to come in. It's to guard against all that threatens the well-being of the sheep or those who have gone through the door. The door is a place of refuge for those who want a saviour. And it's a narrow door. We're told that in scripture, aren't we? Because not so many people choose to go through this door. To enter this door needs us to be willing to be honest with God and say we have blown it big time. We haven't lived our lives to please him. We accept that we are far from him and we can't put it right. We agree with him that it's only through Jesus' death and resurrection that we can come back into a relationship with him. Entering this door doesn't mean life is easy. We're not promised that. Take up your cross and follow me, he says. Easy, no. Fulfilling, yes. A few weeks ago, Jim and I were going on a train journey. We were at a station we didn't know. And um, we needed to get through quite quickly, so we went through a turnstile and Jim had a suitcase with him. And um, you can imagine, can't you? Small turnstile, suitcase, bit tricky. And once we got through, this assistant said, oh, she said, um, if you've got baggage, you need to take the wider gate. And do you know, that has stuck with me and stuck with me. And I just want to look at that narrow door in a slightly different way this morning. You know, when we come to that door, do you know what God's best is for us? It's this. That our failures, our guilt, our lack of worth, our hurts, our pain, the things we have done we regret, or the things we have left undone, he actually wants them to stop with Jesus at the door. I think, praise God indeed, Rob. The problem is, isn't it, that quite often... We hold a few very tight and we take them through with us. But that's his best, it seems to me. And when we begin to grow and find how loving the Father is, and then when we stand on the truth of his word, we are able to let go of those things because he wants us to be free, free in him. Do you know, I don't know what that does for you, but it makes me feel, Father, I'm so sorry that it took me so many years before I got it and was able to say thank you for the depth of your love for me. 
So let's see what else this passage says. The next thing it says is salvation, isn't it? Salvation. If we come through the door, we are saved. We're told that, absolutely. And we enter the fold into the presence of the Father. And we become part of his family, which is the church of which Christ Jesus is the head. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, it says. The old is gone, the new has come. The old is one side of the door, and the new has come. No longer under condemnation. No longer got that baggage. Somebody at work used to say it's like the, oh, what was it on the shoulder? I was going to say the squirrel. Was it the parrot? The parrot on the shoulder. Something always there. Condemnation. Nobody else might know about it, but it's always there in our mind. Something that sits on our shoulder. Condemnation is gone when we go into the presence of the Father. And we live in God's grace, in God's forgiveness. Isn't that worth celebrating? And there's security. In this place, the sheep will go in and out and find pasture. Do you know, to be able to come and go unmolested was the Jewish way of describing a life that was absolutely secure and safe. Absolutely secure and safe. When a man could go in and out without fear, it meant that his country was at peace. And he enjoyed that security and life in the community, finding nourishment as part of a flock. Absolutely. Do you know, Augustine said this, and I like this, that the hearts of men are restless until they find rest in God. That the hearts of men are restless until they find rest in God. Do you have that rest? Not having to run after things, not, not being known for what you do or what you have or haven't achieved, not being known for your successes or your failures or the size of your car or your house or anything else, but being known and knowing you are loved because you are God's child. Absolutely. Listen to this psalm. I know this is a precious psalm to many of you, but this is the last verse of it. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. So from the time when you are in the fold for rest and restoration and peace to the times where you're in the world serving and working, the God who loves and cares for you watches over you. What a promise. What a promise in this world that seems to be in absolute chaos to me. We struggle to know the difference between truth and fake news. Brexit is on or it isn't on, depending on which day of the week we're at. Nations are fighting against nations. Democracy is under threat. And there seems to be natural disasters happening throughout the entire world at this moment. Fear, uncertainty, insecurity is growing in people's lives. But, but, once we go through the door, which is Jesus, and we begin to get to know the Father, a new sense of safety and security enters us and our lives. We begin to lean on him and begin to find a new peace. Will we be immune from problems? No. No. But we have this promise 
I will never leave you or forsake you. And the message puts it like this. I'll never let you down, never walk off and leave you. I will never, God wants to say this to some folk here this morning, I will never let you down. I will never walk off and leave you. And let us remember this. The promise of God watching over us isn't for a day. It's not for a week. It's not for a month. It's not for a year even. It's for eternity. We know the end plan. And we know who holds the future. And he has promised that we will be there on that day. Isn't that security? Isn't that hope? Isn't it a hope worth treasuring? And we can stand on that hope. And we can lean into that hope and be strengthened and encouraged by it. And I came that they may have. And this is that third um, believing. It's that keeping on. I came that they might keep on having life and have it abundantly. The Greek phrase here means superabundance. Superabundance. I came that they may have superabundant life. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. It's a life that can be full of confidence, providing peace and assurance, joy and victory, hope and encouragement, strength, compassion and love, fellowship with the Son and with the Father now and into eternity. I wonder if we really realise how much is at our disposal and are we living in it? As we come to share in the Lord's table, Jesus is the door that makes access to God the Father possible. It's an open invitation, but we have to choose to walk through it. And it may be today that you're thinking, I want to walk through that door. And I, can I suggest that at the end of the service, there will be some folk from the leadership team here who would love to chat and pray with you. There may be those of us who have walked through that door. And sometimes we start out in faith, don't we? And then as life hits, we find ourselves relying on, on us again and doing it our way. And sometimes we feel we've strayed from God and sometimes we can just feel at such a distance. Perhaps this morning, during communion, we need to realign ourselves with a God who loves us and cherishes us and values us. And perhaps we need, if he's spoken into our hearts about something that we've taken through the door and held on to, perhaps today is the day to lay it down and say, I'm going to stand on the truth of your word and find a new freedom in my life. I want the parrot off my shoulder. And do you know, God wants us to grow in confidence in him. In confidence. He wants us to grow and realize in our lives more of that abundant life. That super abundant life. 
Perhaps during communion, it's an opportunity to share with him areas that we struggle to trust him and allow him to speak his truth into our hearts so that our faith will get bigger and our relationship with him will get closer. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. Join us next week for another inspirational message.